Hi, this is Emmy Enchanted, and you're listening to the podcast of Fantastic Books and Where to Find Them. I'm a 10-year-old who loves to read, and I hope that this podcast helps you to find books that are a good fit for you. If you ever want to request a review of a certain book, you can contact me on my website, www.fantasticbooksandwheretofindthem.org. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back. This week, I've been taking achievement tests. If you finish each section early, then there's a lot of time to read. That's fine by me, as you know. Actually, one of my favorite books is called Almost Paradise, which is the book that I'll be reviewing on the podcast this week. And I have a special treat for you. If you stick around until the end of my review, you'll get to hear an interview with the author, Corabel Schaffner. Ready to get started? Here we go! Have you ever woken up and not known where you were? That's happened to me before. One time when I was at my friend's house, I woke up and I had no idea where I was. Well, that's kind of like what happens to Ruby Clyde Henderson. Ruby Clyde wakes up in her mom's boyfriend's camper. His name is Carl, but Ruby Clyde calls him the catfish because his eyes are really far apart and he has whiskers. They're going to Hollywood. Catfish wants to get a new job. The only problem is that Ruby left all her friends behind, and life is just a turn-in for her. They stop for a break, and the catfish meets a guy named Gus. The catfish goes around making friends. That's just what he does. The catfish says that Gus is going to drive him around his town. He tells them to get out of the camper and hands Ruby's mom a $100 bill. He tells them to go sightseeing. While they're sightseeing, they go to a circus. That's where they meet Bunny. Bunny is a pig, just so you know. Ruby's mom just can't stand cruelness to animals. They were forcing a pig to ride around in a miniature Cadillac. That was the last straw for Ruby's mom. She jumped up and tried to steal the pig, but they got caught and were thrown outside. When they got back without the pig, they found out that Gus had given the catfish a gun. Gus wasn't there, though. He had driven away since they had been waiting so long. Ruby saw how her mom so desperately wanted that pig, so she told the catfish how they had been thrown outside by the circus people just because her mom really wanted the pig. So catfish went back and stole the pig. Then they drove away. Ruby named the pig Bunny because her best friend back home was named Bunny. They went to a gas station. The catfish tried to rob that gas station, but they were caught by the police. Ruby, fortunately, had been walking the pig. She got back just in time to see her mama get handcuffed. When Ruby's mom saw her, she mouthed, Go to your Aunt Eleanor. Her Aunt Eleanor was her mom's identical twin sister that Ruby had just found out even existed. Will Ruby escape to her aunt, or will she be alone and be sent to the orphanage? As I always say, read the book to find out. I recommend this book to readers who love a mystery, but at the same time love a good fiction book. 
I know that the end of my review sounded scary, but trust me, this book is good. Here's a few helpful things I like to say about the books I read. Running at Mom is how I describe the scariness factor. There's one scary part in this book, but it's not that scary. Yucky lovey stuff. It's how I describe the romance factor. No. None. Zero. Nada. This book is eight AR points and a fifth grade reading level. So, what's my wand rating for this book? I give this book five wands. It was a little bit scary, but that scariness helped form this book into a great story. It showed me how life can be hard and tough, but sometimes you just gotta love. This week, I got to talk to Corabel Schaffner, the author of *Almost Paradise*. I asked her some questions that I had about her book and her personality. I hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoyed talking to her. Mary Lane, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Are you ready for me to start asking you a question? I think that would be so much fun. I can hardly stand it. <laughs> okay. Question number one: Who did you think of when you wrote the character Ruby Clyde? That's a really interesting question. Um, I I named her. I used my grandmother's name. My grandmother's name was Ruby Clyde Henderson. That was her maiden name, and she was very brave and and funny. The thing is, Ruby Clyde is not my grandmother, even though she has some of that traits, because she's a little girl, and she's very different, has a different life. But I I I hardly ever use names from real life, but I wanted to feel close to my grandmother while I wrote it. And just the sound of the name, even though the little girl is not her, gave me a great deal of comfort. That's really nice. Is your grandmother yeah. know? No, she died back in 1973. No, six, oh. 76. And okay. uh, she had a long life. She had a great long life. And I remember once she was sitting in her rocking chair and I was sitting across uh, across the room playing solitary, and she just said, she she looked across the room and she says, when I die, don't you cry, or I'll haunt you. She says, I just want you to throw back your head and laugh because I lived a great life. Okay, are you ready to move on? I am. Question two, was there a character you based off of yourself? I wouldn't say that I based anyone off of myself, although I'll tell you just a little secret. My daughter says that I am Ruby Clyde, but I say Ruby Clyde is the person I wanted to be or I would like to have been. But in truth, I'm not I'm not any of these characters, but I'm also all of them because, as you know, you've written a story. All of it comes from you. Even that rascal of the catfish, it all comes out of my head, out of my imagination, um, and things I've seen and thought and felt. And but you mix them all up. It's like the, you know having a color palette for a painter, and you take some and you put it on the, uh, you know, and it, it's not at all the way it started out. So it's all myself, but not at all myself anymore. Does that make sense? 
It does. Question three. How many times did you send your book in before it was actually published? Great question, because people who want to write need to know this. There are two phases to getting published. Number one is your agent, and you have to get an agent. Once you get an agent, the she or he sends your manuscript to the publishers. So there's two steps. And I was told by someone I was working with not to give up until you send your query letters, which is just introducing yourself and saying uh, what your story's about, to 100 agents. And I thought that was so many uh, that it was crazy, but it made me not feel personal. It made me feel like it was just a business. And so I didn't feel... Uh, rejected or, or I didn't feel personal in the rejections um, and and so to get an agent I was prepared to send about a hundred and I sent 30 mm-hmm. uh, and what happens is they get back to you at different times and so it's like a slinky so 30 took a couple of months before I landed with Elizabeth Copps who I absolutely adore and I knew the first word she said to me that she was on the telephone that she was the one for me then elizabeth mm-hmm. sent it to 12 and one of those 12 and it wasn't it was a couple of months it wasn't like right away uh mm-hmm. one of those 12 took it but and i and i had to talk to them and you know we we did this whole dance where you know they we talked about what we would change about it and then they finally bought it but um the thing is, they they um, it takes maybe two years. That I got lucky in that the first one, the first group of twelve, I got a nibble and then I got a bite. But they say to give that phase two years. Wow. Okay. Are you ready for question four? I am. This one I'm really curious about. Where did you get your idea for Worldly Wizard? Well, uh, you know Ruby Clyde is quite precocious for her age. And she uses big words. I know somebody like that. You could probably write Worldly Wizard. Um, And I wanted to have a device that was fun for her to use that that justified that if somebody knows that if she's doing that and and the ways that she plays with the workbooks, uh, that she would have a larger vocabulary than her age. And so I thought of this. There was a series of books when my children were in school called Wordly Wise, and they loved them. And so I changed that to Wordly Wizard uh, because it's it's – it was fun. I think there was a great place in there where somebody screamed out that it was a wizard. You could, shouldn't talk about wizards or something. And uh, I, I thought that was a good variation of the work, but, but it still captured the way that, the, that it helped my children's vocabulary grow. And it justified Ruby. And it also added some fun. Well, I'm glad I finally have an answer. <laughs> now, where Number did you five. get your huge bubble? Well, let me back up and say did you do Wordly Wizard? Because your vocabulary is amazing. Sometimes I do, like, I see things, and 
just when I had finished reading the book, my mm-hmm. mom, uh, when I heard my mom or another grown-up say the word, then I would say Wordly Wizard. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So what's the fifth question? Where did you get your idea for Bunny the Pig from? Well, I was surprised by Bunny the Pig. I wanted to go to a place. I was told many years ago about a place called the IQ Zoo in this town in Arkansas, and I wanted to see it so badly. So when I finally went there, it wasn't there. But really? people had told me, yes, uh, there was an IQ Zoo way back sometime. And I was so disappointed that I would imagine all the different things that, that they would do. And since I had, since I was writing, I could make it highly exaggerated, the, the performances in the IQ Zoo, uh, such as the Noah's Ark and all the different <laughs> animals. And then I just, in my imagination, I saw this little pink pig in a toy Cadillac, uh, you know, driving around in circles with a, a little flag waving, and that that was the pig. Just seemed like the the thing that she she would want, and mm-hmm. she would want to free because you know pigs are very smart. And, uh, and, and he shouldn't be sitting up there being a performance animal, driving around a little Cadillac. So that's where that came from. And then she named the pig Bunny because she missed her best friend back home. But, yes. uh, but the pig started out just, they were going to free the pig. Then as the book developed, they had to keep the pig. And then it was Bunny, it was uh, Ruby's best friend. And then as Ruby grew up a little bit, the pig grew up a little bit, so they got to do that together. But it all came from missing the IQ Zoo. It just wasn't there, and I was so disappointed. Well, everything happens for a reason. I hope so. (laughs) You may not have visited the IQ Zoo, but you got an idea for your book. And, yeah, I made one of my own. If you don't get what mm-hmm. you want, make make one for yourself. Mm-hmm. Number six. What's your favorite middle grade book, not including your own? Oh well, Mary Lane, you know what my favorite is. Uh, they are the Linda Jackson's two books, <clears throat> and Linda's a very big fan of yours. And her first book, as you know, was Midnight Without a Moon, and the second what? was A Sky Full of Stars. And they're they're, compa- they're companion books. They're, the second one follows the first one, and they're historic, and they're in the Delta, which is our land, and uh, they 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 go back to the tragedy of the Emmett Till murder. And while it's not, they're not about that. The little girl in the book understands that something terrible has happened and she has to grow up and decide how she feels about that. And I, I think that Linda's writing was so, so real. I almost felt like when I would close the book that the characters kept on living, you know, and, and that I'd have to get mm-hmm. back to them quick before they did something without me. <laughs> I feel about that a lot with books. Like I can't put it down. 
Because I feel like yes. something's going to happen, ah! and I'm not going to be there to read it. <laughs> we must be very related somehow. <laughs> somehow. Are you ready for question seven? Yes, I am. What are your favorite hobbies besides reading and writing? Well, my one of my very favorite hobbies is hiking in the mountains. And that's why right now, you know I'm from Nashville, but I I am right now in the North Carolina mountains. I come up here to get out of the heat and the best the best thing in the world is to hike through the forest. It's almost as good as riding. I think it's healing to be in the forest. It's closer to God. It is it is all good things and you're getting you're getting exercise just by going up and down the mountains and you can clear your head, you can get writing ideas. So I would say hiking is is really up up at the top. I I I often enjoy cooking. Uh, my daughter and I were just in the kitchen making some things, and I love visiting with my friends, particularly in my pajamas with a cup of coffee and just curled up on the sofa laughing and talking. What it are your favorite like hobbies? very good hobbies. Oh, yeah. Well, I like to You're play soccer, soccer player. and yeah. basketball. Oh, yeah. I'm on a travel soccer team. Oh, my. And... Well, some other hobbies are just, like, collecting cool things that I find. I have this cot shell that you can put up against your ear and listen to the ocean. (gasps) Where'd you get it? On the East Coast? On the Atlantic Coast? Um, Actually, my uncle got it for me, I think. Oh, what a good thing. That's very (laughs) mysterious, don't you think? It is. I remember thinking about those a lot. I remember thinking about quicksand and and hearing the ocean and the conch shells and all sorts of the mysteries of the universe. Mm-hmm. Okay, on to number eight. What's a tip that you would give kids to encourage them to read? Two things. One is that a child... An adult, anyone, should read whatever they want, and I mean whatever they want, especially if they are reluctant readers. Now, somebody who's already gobbling up books, uh, you, you just recommend good books to them. But somebody who's not quite uh, a voracious reader needs to get in the groove of reading and the worst thing that can happen is for them to find themselves in a class and they've got a very they've been assigned a very difficult book and then they think they're they're bad because everybody else is reading better and then they think they'll never read they think they don't enjoy it rather than just backing up and reading read some picture books still or read graphic novels it's very popular right now to tell children that it's okay to read graphic novels if that's what you read it doesn't matter you could if you want to read the highlights magazine in the dentist office it doesn't matter as long as you're just enjoying the read and that is that's more more advice for adults is not to I told this to a workman up here I I said uh, 
this same thing. And he says, oh, dear. He said, my son just brought home a, a book on the Navy from the library. And I said, this book's too hard. Why would you check out this this book? And I said, well, you go right home and apologize to him because even if it is too hard, he wanted to have a look at it. And he did. So adults often judge children by what they think they should be reading or doing hard school work and reading big books like Moby Dick when really just pick up a joke book. It doesn't matter as long as you are enjoying the experience. And then the the second thing I would add to that is at some point you let go. Like you and I were talking about wanting um, or feeling like if you shut the book, the characters were so alive that they keep on doing things. It. I remember reading to my firstborn child. He's he's a great reader. And, but when he was little, I was reading him something, and he says, "Wait, stop, stop!" And he puts his hands up by his temples. And he said, I can see what you're saying. And it was the first time he'd ever really gotten, he was little, it was the first time he'd ever really gotten that moving picture in his head of mm-hmm. of the story. And, and I just delighted because I'd never seen anybody or even thought of myself as that moment. But I think that, that when you, when when you can let go enough of of all of it and just let the story take you away, that's the goal. And uh, and and it's great to study in school. Of course, it's very great to study uh, things in school. But that should not stop you from loving reading for oh, totally non academic reasons. Mm-hmm. While we're on the subject of books. Why don't you tell all of our listeners how we met? Well, I wrote a middle grade novel called Almost Paradise, and I was making my way around the country, and I went to the bookstore in Greenwood, Mississippi, and they um, and they they t- they set me up to go to a school. Nearby, so I spoke to some sixth graders, I think, and then I went back to the bookstore. But the cute man—I wish I could remember his name—the cute man who who escorted me around. He says, "Well, I have a special visitor this afternoon. She's a an eight-year-old blogger. That was before you turned nine. And um, and I said, "Oh my goodness, what do you mean?" And then you walked up with your mother. And, or was it your, no, it was your grandfather? I think so. I think it was your mother's father. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and your mom. It wasn't your dad. Your dad wasn't there then, was he? Anyway, yeah, so you yeah. guys came in. There was, a, there was the people there. We were all visiting and mixing around, talking about books. And you came in and I, uh, and, and we started to talk and I was so impressed with, with your love of books. I mean, it's one book lover to another. So we got to be friends, and we stayed in touch, and we have even, um, oh, I told your mother that you, you couldn't, that she couldn't take you to that birthday party that weekend, that she had to take you to the Mississippi Festival of Books, because that's where you would see everybody on earth that you loved. And But she did, and she brought you and your brother, who was so great, and uh, such a sport, and then um, y'all met all these people, and then we've even 
made a presentation together in Hattiesburg, uh, and it was called uh, Never Too Old and Never Too Young, and it was both of our stories of, of writing and loving books. Mm-hmm. Well, then, thanks for letting me call. Oh, it was so fun. I'm I'm so proud of you, and I, I look forward to seeing you soon. Bye-bye, sweetheart. Bye. I think it's so cool that Corabelle loves to hike. I just loved all her answers to my questions. I'm so thankful that I have gotten to know Corabelle. Hopefully, now you feel that you know a little about her, too. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you're listening in iTunes, please give me a rating and be sure to subscribe. And always remember, reading is magical.